Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in. All right. Well, welcome, everyone, to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Seth, how are you today? I am excellent. How are you? Good. Perfectly, proportionately caffeinated. We've talked about this before. It's like I've had not, the right not, amount not of food. Not too under, not too over. Right amount of caffeine. You're in the sweet I spot. to go. Yeah. I got there right. yesterday, and it was like, it's something like tw- like turns in your biology and your chemistry, and you just like lock in, and you're like happy yes. and joyful, but calm. How many things can I get done today? Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. And like, yeah, it was good yesterday. I, I'm... I'm like I feel like I, I think there's some times though where you you just can't hit that zone nope. you know yeah yeah and it's like you're I you're you're like always gonna feel undercaffeinated but you also know that if you ever drink that one extra cup or half cup you'd be yep. immediately over there's no sweet spot in the middle right that's exactly right or yep. you get that cup of coffee that actually makes you more tired has that ever happened oh to you I hate before? that cup that's yep. the worst the cup that's the worst cup of coffee that's usually I, like the either like the 11 a.m. cup. Or like mm. sometimes like the the three p.m. last ditch yes. effort cup. Yes, that's, and you're like, that's that did more one. harm than good. Yeah, and I go home and I'm just exhausted, <laughs> drugged, and my kids hate me. Um, <laughs> I had this good. moment the other day where I was super productive. I made a cake, I fixed a door, I painted oh. a shutter, I like wrote some stuff for like spoken gospel or for a sermon, and I was like, I fired on like every creative cylinder I could think oh, of within the amazing. space of like four hours, and I like. I just felt like a man. It was just yeah, great. and like and in, just a and like a rena- and like a Renaissance man. You're like a Renaissance <laughs> yeah. man. It was like I'm baking and you know doing like woodwork and Fixing I'm writing door. literature yeah. and theology. <laughs> that's a good that's day. Fan- that's a good day. That's always really fun. Well, um, anyway, hi everyone listening. <laughs> Me and Seth are just catching up. This is just um, us checking in. <laughs> yes, this is our check in. Uh, in case you forget, we are very good friends and we like to talk to each other. So, um, okay, we are. We've decided now we are two episodes away from finishing the book of Deuteronomy. And the yes? Torah. And the Torah. Oh, my goodness. We have we have put a the lot of hours into the Torah. <laughs> I think we're at 72 episodes. Oh, man. I, I'd, have to even, released, I'd have to go I look. Think. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. So, anyway, <laughs> so we are going to do 26 to 30 today and then 31 to the end um, on, the, on the next episode. And then we'll be done. Um, and yeah. then Seth is coming to Oklahoma City that's right uh, to record the book of Esther with me and that'll yes. be a lot of fun so yeah. anyway so a lot of things to look forward to but let's jump in to Deuteronomy and focus up so we have just come out of that last stretch of miscellaneous law code yeah. is what a lot it was of it like said a stretch of 21 various laws which were supposed to be examples of the way How, you're yeah. supposed to live in the land of Canaan yeah that's right. Yeah. And so like if you remember the last, you know, huge chunk of Deuteronomy has been unpacking the 10 commandments. So what does it mean to love God only? What does it mean to observe the Sabbath? What does it mean to honor your father and mother, but not just your father and mother, the judges and the prophets and and just unpacking it and then the, those last bits were like 
And here's an example of what it looks like to live in holy community with one another. You know, yes. you know, honoring your neighbor, protecting your neighbor, looking out for the sojourner and the widow. And and so now we've kind of come to the the tail end of the law code section of Deuteronomy, and yeah. all the people rejoiced. <laughs> yes, Seth and I even rejoiced. We did rejoice a little bit. <laughs> I, we talked about last week too how like just kind of like the like the seeming randomness of the laws should kind of should make you feel overwhelmed mm -hmm. and like long for not just more rules but like a heart that l loves god's law and like does it intuitively yeah and you know i thought of i've heard that often my whole life mm -hmm. like the law should drive you to the gospel the law should make you want god to write his law on your heart and that's always felt really like non-concrete like oh sure I, i've heard yep. it so many times it feels like it means nothing I, it finally made sense to me. Mm. Like it, and why it, was that? It, it, it was because of my daughter. Oh, really? So we have in our neighborhood like five houses okay. that our kids um, like explore and go in. Neighbor houses, they have kids oh, their sure. age. They go in all the time. And I think uh, last episode we talked about how they like learn swear words at one of the houses. Yeah. And like one house, they have like this ramp that they ride a car down. They keep injuring themselves on. And so over the course of time, we keep finding ourselves having to make more and more rules about the kids going mm. to other people's houses. Yep. Hey, when they start teaching you swear words, you should leave. When that girl starts looking at you and calling you mean things. We had one girl come up to the house and look at Sunny and say, hey, Shiloh, you're invited to my birthday party, but you're not. Like, oh. like we've had to like talk to her about all these like crazy like little different rules. Don't hang out with that person when they do that. Don't listen to that music when they listen to that excuse yourself from this conversation and Sonny has no categories for how to deal with those situations intuitively right on her own all the mm -hmm. all we can do is make more rules wow. you can only go to their house after 4 p.m and between 5 p.m you have to come home when we say you do you need a walkie-talkie and tell us every time you go to a different house you need to tell us all we always need to know where you're going and like there's so many rules now about going to friends' houses that I can't keep up with them. Like, <laughs> Sunny, and like every time she comes to us, she's exasperated because she can never feel like she can keep up with all the different rules that we have about all the different situations. And there's right. always new situations we always have to make new rules for. Oh. And I was like, Erica, I want what Deuteronomy says Israel doesn't have. I just want Sunny to intuitively know what it means to be a godly girl when all of her friends are going crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I want for her. And I was like, that's what Deuteronomy wants for us <laughs> yeah. too. And like, I had never like experienced it so viscerally until like this moment as a parent. That's amazing. Uh, and that's kind of what we're talking about all day today. That really will be where we land the plane is yeah. like God giving us hearts that just intuitively do what he wants. Right. We don't yeah. need more rules. We, we just know not what because, to do. Not because moral behavior isn't right or isn't needed in in god's you know community it's that it's so important that it becomes a part of us yes yeah that's it's crazy like, that's a really that's a really helpful that like right? illustration and yep. like the the all these like slip shot shatter like uh shotgun like blast of laws. oh like yeah, it yeah, goes yeah. everywhere and just does all these different things it's like i can't predict the number of different scenarios sunny might uh -huh. encounter to make a rule for her for i need her just to know no. what it means Mm -hmm. to love God and love her neighbor yeah. intuitively. And to keep herself holy. And to keep herself holy in those situations. Yeah. I can't actually keep making laws for her life. Wow. So That's anyway. really helpful. So, man, so we come in after the shotgun approach of, I don't know, here's a bunch of other laws that are just a bunch of unforeseen circumstances that I wish you would intuit, but you can't. Yep. And then we get to uh, chapter 26, 
and it talks about when you come into the land, which is like good news. Yeah. You're going to cross the Jordan. You're going to conquest the land. It's going to be yours. When you come into the land, here are two rules about offerings. And you have one offering that's when you come into the land, this is your, we're in the land offering. (laughs) Yeah, they settle in the land. They they have their first crops. They plant seeds. First crop comes. They're supposed to take that first fruit of the first crop in the for the first year in the new land, bring it to the temple of the Lord and recite this liturgical prayer. In yes. Front of the priest. It's so beautiful. It, it, he, you're supposed to go to the priest, offer your sacrifice, and when you give the priest your offering, you're supposed to repeat the story of your salvation. You yes. talk about how you were slaves in, or no, it even starts with like Abraham. And it's like, there was this sojourning. A wandering Aramaic. Oh yeah, father, that's what it was. And he went down to Egypt. <laughs> yeah, this wandering person was. My dad was, came on the boat from Italy. Yes. He landed. Yeah, and you, you, you repeat your story. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, and then we were slaves in Egypt. And then God he rescued us the and did yeah. these. Yeah. And then he brought us, he made a covenant with us and brought us into the land and all these other things. Like, it's like repeating the story of their salvation as, as like, and like, and then they have the fruit of it right there. They're like, and this yeah. is the fruit this is of the God's salvation. The God proof. Yeah. 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 That's so I cool. was like, um, like, it's kind of like, it's like an affirmation that God has provided. And that's what the first fruit has always been. Like it's this affirmation that God has provided your family with food. Like here's what he's given us and here's part of it to celebrate back to him. And like mm-hmm. even, but it's also like this, it's just that, that celebration is a smaller version of what's actually happening in like the whole providence of God's history. God mm-hmm. has provided a land for his people, not just crops for a year, but like everything. Anyway, I was mm, thinking yeah. about that. It's really good. I, I I mean it's really hard for me and I, I'm not I'm not supposed to fight this inclination. I just when I read this story, I'm just like drawn to the gospel because yeah. it's just like this is what God calls us to do. He calls us to repeat the story of our salvation as like part of our thanksgiving to him. Like when we worship, yeah. what do we do? We come yeah. and we sing again and again, like I was lost and without hope and yeah. you I was in slavery to sin and death. And Jesus came to earth and he died for my sins and he rose and he's interceding for me at the right hand of God and he'll come again to save me. And we sing that over and over and over yeah. and over again. And like that's like part of the Thanksgiving fabric of living in the new kingdom of Jesus. Yeah. I hadn't thought about these like these two uh liturgical moments as like a blueprint for our church services. But like mm. you're right, they kind of are. It's like the remembering what God has done. Right. And celebrating what God is doing in your life right now, and then the next one is tithing. I was like, it's giving yep. to the Lord's work. It's like, what do we do at church? We celebrate what God has done, right. and we give for the expansion of God's kingdom among the poor, the powerless, the hopeless, the sojourner, like, and, the <laughs> and the pastors, and the pastors. Like, that's what yeah. we do every time right. we come together. We celebrate what God has done, hear what God will do, and then uh, give generously yeah. so that yeah. might happen more often in more places yeah, that sounds cool and that's really that. cool and and then and so what i think what's happening here is with these two laws because they seem kind of strange it's like so the first year you come in give this offering and then the third year you give the the offering for the poor and it's right. like why did he skip the second year you know <laughs> like, well it just goes back to like this the the rhythms that they talked right, about before right right yep Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so every, th- it's like, uh, for two years, you do this kind of Thanksgiving offering, you go and throw a party. And then every third year, you're supposed to give an offering that goes to the poor. And so, uh, yeah. a long time ago on a podcast, we talked about the idea of like, 
just splurging on a vacation, you know, twice, you know, one year and then you go on a crazy vacation the second year. But on the third year, instead of going on a crazy vacation, you give all, the, all that money you would have used to the poor. Yeah. Yeah. And then you do that again and that gets you to year six, right? And then on year seven, it's the Sabbath year. Yeah. And so that's how it, that's the, 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 the kind of pattern. Yeah. So for me, I think when I came into this, it was like this all encompassing command. It was on the first year you do this. And then on the last year of the rhythm, you do this. And it's like showing that, like, I want you to remember what I've done for you in the past on the first day and the last day, like from beginning to end, I want you to be repeating the rhythms of my salvation. And that is how you'll remember me in the land, stay in the land, you know, have joy in the land. Is that why you think these are the last two laws? I do. Yeah, I do. Because it's like when you enter and, and when you stay, and it's just like this, this all encompassing rhythm of entering the land. Thanksgiving and generosity. Thanksgiving yep. and generosity. Yep. And that's like what trains their hearts to continually abide by God's law. And we'll find that doesn't work, but yeah, <laughs> for them. But yeah, that's uh, I think that's why it kind of caps off here. And so after after the the two um, offering commands, we get this like reestablishment of the covenant, and God just kind of repeats his formula of yeah. um, of the covenant, and that's kind of it for yeah, the. The covenant law portion of Deuteronomy. Let me just read 16. This day, the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and rules. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared today that the Lord is your God, and you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes and his commands and his rules and will obey his voice. And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession as he has promised you, and that you are to keep all of his commandments. That's mm. it. Yeah. You shall be the people holy of the Lord your God, as he has promised. Mm. Yeah. I just the whole idea of God possessing a people, you know, is just mm. such a beautiful idea. Even even in the Bible itself, like God says, "What other god has claimed a people as his own?" You know, like even the pagan gods didn't do that thing. Like that yeah. that, that a god would say. I am entering into a God is their own. Exactly. That's right. (laughs) But what, what other God says you are mine, like you are my people and I am your God and like enters into a marriage covenant with them. Like that's unheard of. And just this Mm -hmm. treasured possession and like this delight that he has in his people. Um, I think it's just such a great way to end the law section to remind us of like, why do these laws exist? Well, why do you give laws to your daughter about going and visiting all these other houses? Right. It's because she's your daughter and you're her father and you yeah. love her and delight in her and want to keep her safe and let her flourish and be blessed. And like, I didn't read verse 19, but it says, and that he will set you in praise and in fame and in honor high above all nations that he's made. Right. Like, why has God said, done that? Why is he making these laws? Why do I make laws for my daughter? So that she'll be praised she like not that she'll be famous, but that she'll be like known among her peers as someone who's honorable and high above all yeah. others. Like that's a godly desire for my daughter. It's a god. It's God's desire for His people at large that they would be yes. holy, blameless, above reproach. Not in like a Pharisaical way, but like no. as a city on a hill. That's like, what I was gonna people, say. We yeah, we need to remember what the point of all these laws are here in this covenant is that like God is forming a holy people that they might be a light to the nations and that he might raise them up. Like this is literally like ground elevation language so that once again they might be like a holy mountain to which all the nations can stream. And at the top of mountains in the ancient Near Eastern thought is where the abode of the gods were. 
And so as he yeah. raises them up and they come closer and closer to God, the people, they, what they do is they create a pathway, a highway to God himself in that through their moral behavior and through their being and bearing obedience. the character of God, through their obedience, people will be able to come to Yahweh. And yeah. it's like, this is a picture of like what we weren't able to do for ourselves, but what Jesus did for us, that he perfectly obeyed God and became the mountain that was lifted up high above everyone else, right? Philippians 2, yep. right? God, because of his obedience, be, being obedient even to death on a cross, God raised him up to the highest place. Like Jesus did what God promised, you know, should have happened to Israel if they would have obeyed. Since Jesus obeyed, he was raised to the highest place. Yeah. And now all people can be blessed by him by putting their faith in him. They come to the mountain of Christ and they're able to draw near to Yahweh. Um, and what and what's amazing too is then it doesn't just stay the privilege of Jesus to be high and lifted up. He says that we will be lifted up too. We will be yeah. raised to glorious new life, and we will reign with Him. We'll be and seated we'll, with Him in we'll the be heavenly seated places. With Him in the heavenly places. What? That's crazy. And we will judge Our angels. Rulers. Paul says, like, wait, I don't know what? what that means? I don't know <laughs> what that means either. But he says it. You know, and like it's crazy. Like, but this position of power over the nations. We'll judge nations. We'll judge angels. We'll rule and and with Him. This yeah. is a, that's a fulfillment in the New Testament of what's promised here. Is that when you obey. Yeah you become the new rulers of earth, which is what Adam and Eve were supposed to be back in the beginning. Like, I've given you dominion over the earth. Yeah. Rule over it. Yeah. And like, this, yeah. this is probably a good time to just jump a little bit to chapter 28, where he just lists the blessings for obedience. If you obey, blessed shall be the fruit of your womb. Blessed the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle and the increase of your herds. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed when you go out. <laughs> you will be the head and not the tail. The Lord has commanded blessing on, on your barns and everything that you undertake. If you obey the commandments of the Lord, which I command you today, and do not turn from the, like, it will go well with you. Like over mm -hmm. and over and over again, all blessing all the time for those yeah. who obey. And part of the reason why this obedience was a light to the nations is because in their obedience, their nation would like physically, actually flourish. That's right. The Garden of yep. Eden would be redone. Multiplication would be happening everywhere. Yes. Like the increase, the fruit of your womb, like kids wouldn't die in childbirth. Yeah. Cattle would give, have multiple, multiple little baby oxen. Like there would be right. so much fertility and industry happening in Israel that the nations would want to come. And this is exactly what Jesus says about the city on the hill. Mm. Uh, do good works so that they might glorify your father in heaven like right. the blood, like the new creation is done when we obey like the new creation is seen when we obey god's word like yeah. physically in the land in our life yeah exactly yeah i wrote down like some of the blessings for obedience there's uh, material prosperity familial fruitfulness military victory political stability religious fulfillment you know like all those things are happening yeah, yeah, yeah. and like people are are then going like what on earth is going on in Israel? Like, I want to go check that out. Yeah. And like, we see this the very first time in the Queen of Sheba, right? Like we see the Queen of right. Sheba come and yes. visit Solomon to see all his splendor. And Solomon ruins it because he doesn't give all the glory to God. He just becomes boastful. And the same thing happens when the king of Babylon comes to visit Hezekiah. We read about that. And Hezekiah right. yeah, just yeah, bo yeah. boasts about all his all his gold. Like they take the opportunities for the nation streaming to, uh, you know, be aghast at what's going on in the blessings of Israel to talk about themselves instead of God.
Hey, David here to let you know that Spoken Gospel has another podcast. It's called Jesus in All of the Bible. It is a short three to four minute commentary on a passage of scripture showing how it points us to Jesus. It's basically like the snack size version of our full Spoken Gospel podcast. We hope you'll check it out. Just search for Jesus in All of the Bible in your podcast app and be sure to subscribe. Okay, back to the show. Okay, so uh, before we we kind of skipped ahead just a tiny little bit. There's <laughs> yes. a section where it's like, this is what this is the covenant. This is a good thing. This is what God will do for you. And there's this whole section about ten verse one chapter later describing those blessings. But before we get there, there's this ceremony that they're mm-hmm. supposed to do once they get into the land, and they're supposed to set up two different mountains with two different altars on them, and one mountain will be called the mountain of blessing. Uh, called Mount uh, Gerizim, and the other one is called the Mount of Cursing, Mount Ebal. And you're supposed to divide the chiefs, the two tribes of Israel, between these two mountains. And on the top of Mount Ebal, which is described here, the priests will, or the representative of, of the, the leaders, will like recite the curses of the covenant, mm-hmm. and all the people will say amen. And then all the priests on the top of Mount Gerizim are supposed to recite the blessings of the covenant, and everyone will also shout amen. That's kind of what's supposed to happen, and it does happen in Joshua 8. But fascinatingly, here, when they do this ceremony, um, and we talked about this already, I think, in our Deuteronomy 11 and 12 podcast. Yeah, we pointed forward this a little bit. uh, And so the idea was, like, if the whole book of Deuteronomy is kind of setting you up, like, this idea, the choice between blessing and cursing, between Mm -hmm. life and between death, you have this, like, built into the geography. So when you walk into the land, in the geography, you have that choice between life and death, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, like right before you all the time. And you're supposed to choose. You're supposed to go towards Mount. Uh, oh my God. Gerizim. Okay. Right. I don't know if you said that last time. Oh, <laughs> I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever seen the two mountains, Gerizim and Ebal as the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I, th- I think you're supposed to see, you're that. definitely supposed to see that this is the new Eden they're entering into. I put two, tr- two choices yeah. between you. <laughs> On these two tall things. Yeah, that's right. Like, and like they, and trees in the prophets represent gods, and the mountains are the abodes of gods. There's lots of good reasons. Wow. I didn't, I never, I've never known that until this very second. Well, I'm so glad to have educated you. It's so great. I love that. So that's what's happening. That's the scene that's being New Eden, new choice. Yes. Oh, my mind right now is. And Joshua does it. But what's fascinating about the book of Deuteronomy is that it lists the entire chapter of curses that are supposed to be pronounced from Mount Ebal, but it does not list the right. blessings supposed to be announced from Mount Gerizim. And I think this should be a clue narratively for us that it's foreshadowing Israel's disobedience, mm-hmm. like that they're not actually going to get to experience, they're not going to choose the tree of life. They're not right. going to choose the mountain of blessing. Um, it's 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 uh, like behind the scenes is foreshadowing, but I think that's what you're meant to get. Because... Oh yeah, I think it's pretty clear. Actually, yeah. I I don't think you have to backpedal that much. You hear this? You have this long section of curses anyone who does this, and all the people will say Amen. Curses anyone who does this, and every and over and over and over again, the people are saying Yes, Yes, I agree. May it be so. You know, however you want to translate yeah. Amen to all the curses, and then there's no Yes, and may it be so to the blessing. So yes. it's like I don't even think that's like a hint. That's just There's like a description of the blessing, but no description. <laughs> but no amen to it. Right. There's no yeah. amen no to a, it. No There's amen. no may it be so. Like yeah. 
yeah so exactly i'm like right. i think it's spot on and it, i mean it will we'll get there it bears out that that's exactly what moses says is going to happen and so what you have then in the next couple chapters 28 and 20 is a long chapter it is it's very long eight verses long yeah i was i was caught off guard uh while reading uh, it this morning again still i was turning like, in my bible to all yeah it's like this chapter, chapter keeps going um and what you have is a description of like it's the curses aren't that long they're only 26 verses of curses and they're kind of representative cur- curses like based on the 10 commandments like they make sense and then what you have is essentially a description like a vivid description of the life of blessing and the life of cursing so we mm-hmm. already talked a little bit about the life of blessing that's right we did that takes up uh 14 verses <laughs> yeah uh, the dis- the vivid description of the life of cursing takes up the other 53 50. yeah so, like, even that... Proportionately. Proportion, like, should yep. clue you in if the omission yep. of the Mount of, Ger- Mount of Blessing didn't, that more than likely what Israel's going to experience is the curses. Um, yep. And I think, yeah, so do you have anything to say? Like, why do you think there are more curses than blessings? I, I mean, I think it's that exact reason, that that God is doing everything he can to warn the people that they will fall away and they will be cursed. And the, the language is going to change here in a little bit. I know we're not trying to jump past 28, but like even in 28, just the proportionate like nature yeah. of the short talk about the blessing and the long excursus on the curses. And then what's also interesting is, you know, every in the curse section, it kind of goes through and overturns every blessing, you know? So it's like, yep. if it says it that your your children will not die in childbirth, then all your children will be stillborn. It's kind of the yeah. opposite. You know, it's like, yeah. you're, you know, so it just kind of undoes all the blessing, but then it doubles down and starts bringing up curses to which we have no blessing counterpart, you know? So yeah. it's like all the curses that were on Egypt, I'm going like all the plagues of Egypt are now going to be on you. Like, yeah. Um, this was the most vivid for me. So, yeah. so, so in the blessing was uh, blessed will be the fruit of your womb. Yeah. And then in Deuteronomy 28, 53, and you shall eat the fruit of your womb, Oof. the flesh of your sons and daughters. And yeah. he talks about how they'll, they'll become cannibals Yeah. in the most timid, well-educated, sophisticated father will like hoard his children and cut up their flesh. Yeah. Or the, or the image of like gentle mother will eat her placenta. Yeah. That's the one I was going to say. Like it falls between her feet and then she grabs it and goes and eats it in secret. Yeah. It's like so vivid. It's (laughs) yeah. That's I, yeah. Yeah. It was super vivid. And so like, I, we, we, we've talked about this a few times before. Um, about like why does God lean into things like curses and fear of the Lord and things like that, you know? And we've landed the plane several times about this idea that like w- like God is going to give us every um, resource that He could possibly throw our way to help us fight sin and obey Him, yeah. you know. And if love is one, He's going to give us love for Him, you know. And if fear is one, He's going to give us fear. And so I-, I just think it's interesting to be like when Jesus comes. And he talks about curses, you know, he talk, he talks about the ultimate curse of separation from him in Gehenna, in hell, you know, like, and he talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth, and they're going to be stuck outside the door, yeah. banging and begging to come in, you know, it's like, whoa, like, back off, Jesus, you know, <laughs> like, but yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Pick, he's picking up on this, that he is he pleading is. with us today in a dire fashion, just like Moses and God were with the people of Israel, to hold fast to him, like to trust him, to not go astray, because blessing is real, and there's really good things that God wants to give you, 
But yeah. curses are also very real, and God will punish and separate. And like, yeah. it's just—it's a real dichotomy that it we is. have like, to it's both. like choose. It's both. And I do think, like, I think in the Gospels at least, you do have like a ratcheting up of the blessings, like a ratcheting yes. up the mercy. There's less talk. There is talk about hell and yep. separation and fear and Gehenna and like there. Jesus talks about that more than any of the other prophets. Like he yep. does talk about it. That's right. But you also do have like a far more vivid picture of God's grace, his mercy, his kindness, his goodness, and his power towards believers in Jesus' death and resurrection. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not just physical here. blessing. It's eternal life with him forever. Right. You know, it's not like, I'll build you a mountain, and you'll kind of, like, start to elevate up toward me. It's, I will bring heaven down to you and dwell with you forever. You know, it's like yeah. everything gets ratcheted up. You're but absolutely right. But to your right. point about how, like, we should continue to see these same, like, curses, like, present in the New Testament, uh, chapter 28, verses 58 it's uh, or 59 then the lord will bring you on you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions afflictions severe and lasting and sickness and grieving uh, grievous and lasting and he will bring upon you again all the diseases of egypt of which you were afraid and they shall cling to you so he talks about like on one hand like there's an interesting thing here like if you choose to sin you're going to go back to your old ways you're going to go back to slavery but also in the book of revelation all of the bowl judgments, the trumpet judgments, they're mm. actually retellings of the curses and the sicknesses that happened in Egypt. Right. So one of the reasons, so like the New Testament understands like the cursed life, the one that doesn't go towards the mountain of blessing, that doesn't see Jesus on the top of the tree cursed, like the one that doesn't go there will experience all these curses again, either when Jesus comes to judge the world or in their separation from him. Like mm -hmm. going back to Egypt, experiencing this curses is all through the New Testament as well. That's it's right. not not there. Yep. And in fact, it's like ratcheted up. It's not just yeah. like, it's, it's like in uh, Egypt, there's like flies or locusts that come, but in like Exodus or in Revelation, there's like, they're locusts with like the heads of lions. Yeah, everything gets way crazier. crazier. <laughs> it's like, it's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, anyway. One thing you said just kind of sparked in me the, this this thing that I've I've heard about and talked about a little bit, but I don't usually double down on. But uh, it is interesting that on top of these mountains are altars, you know, mm -hmm. right? And, um, you know, and you mentioned, um, you know, Jesus dying on the mountain of cursing for us, you know, yeah. uh, curses anyone who hangs on a tree so that we could, you know, climb up the mountain of blessing. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm taken back to way earlier in the Torah when we were on a mountain again, and there was an altar on it, and Abraham's yeah. son was put on that altar and was spared by a ram in the thicket, you know. But Jesus goes and puts himself on the mountain of cursing for us, and yeah. and dies for us. I mean, it's just like, is that is that appropriate to see this here? You know, like, yeah, I would. I mean, sure. I I don't see any trees mentioned, so that would help me a little bit. Be like, okay, we have trees, but like, I think the high place of the mountain of the Lord, an altar of a sacrifice, is enough to see mm -hmm. that there is a sacrifice on the hill of blessing and the hill of cursing. There's yeah. an altar with the law inscribed on it, one describing what happens to us if we disobey, and one describing what happens when we obey. Right. And if Jesus is stand, like straddling both mountains, like he has one foot in the grave, one foot in the curse, absorbing the curse, becoming sin for us, becoming a curse for us, mm. so that the only mountain that we can climb is the mountain of blessing. Yeah. That the inevitable outcome for those who have placed their faith in the one who's been cursed for us is blessing. Like yeah. that that's true. 
Yeah. That is true. It is amazing too that like we're told to like, you know, John talks about like when the son of man is lifted up, you know, referring to like the the bronze serpent in the wilderness, you know, um, he's lifted up and you look at him, you'll be saved. Anyone who looks at him will be saved. It's like you, you kind of like if you had these two mountains in front of you, um, the closest we'll ever come to the mountain of cursing as Christians is mm-hmm. looking at it yeah, and saying like, Jesus died on that mountain for me. And then we can turn fully to the mountain of blessing and say, now this yeah. is my inheritance. Like, yeah. It's just cool. It it's is so cool. cool. Um, I think there's yeah. like one other layer to that that I'd want to add, like, because part we've talked about this a little bit that Deuteronomy or the Torah is like wisdom literature. It's not simply about um, what life will be like in eternity, but it's also what life will be like now. And mm-hmm. so a lot of these blessings and curses are about what life will be like as you live it, as you obey, as you disobey. And if you disobey for a while, you can expect your life to look like this, but then once you start obeying, you can expect your life to look a little bit different. So I think one of the things we should recognize as Christians too is that while there's no ultimate curse for us, living unwisely, living unlike God commands, will bring about... um, The fruit of sin. The fruit of sin, yeah. Yeah. like, like we will experience um, some of these curses to the whatever extent we continue to sin in our life, we will experience some of these curses into whatever and maybe it, and and there's a category for innocent suffering to whatever yep. extent other people refuse to obey the Torah, we can also suffer at their hands as well. But I just wanted to say that too because I think the other layer of this is not just eternal life, eternal blessedness, but also like there is a blessed way to live right now. Right. And it's obeying God's command. Blessed are the meek. Yes. For they will inherit the earth. Right. Like they're like that's not yeah. just eschatological. It's like right. At present the end. day yeah. like kingdom reality. Uh, yeah, I can I, I'm really glad you're doubling down on that. Um so like what I'm about to say to counter it isn't I don't want to dilute it. Right. So like I, I agree. You know, it's it's kinda it's the tension between Proverbs and Job. You yeah, know, yeah. like and that's what we're talking about here is yep. God is promising physical blessings to spiritual obedience, you know, and, um, and think just give us this day, our daily bread. Yeah. That's Jesus says it like, right. Totally obey and love. Yep. God loves, God loves to care for his people, you know, you know? And so anyway, um, but we also have like this Job category that's like Job's innocent. And, uh, it wasn't even really the sins of other people. It was just like, there's suffering that comes upon him that he did not have a direct corollary sin to deserve. Yeah. He experienced mm-hmm. the pain of cursing because he lives in a cursed world, um, and yet he didn't do anything to deserve that curse. You know, like so there is that that too that I just want to bring up, yeah. just because so often people uh, end up doing what the friends of Job do, yeah, and they what just say like, "What did you do this? wrong to deserve yeah. this?" And that is, I just want anyone who's listening to know that that's the worst thing to say, and it's a very unbiblical thing to say that if something bad is happening to you, you must have done something to deserve it. The whole book of Job is written to disarm that weapon from our like our our, our, our grasp. We can't use that argument. So anyway, yeah. I just want to like give that one caveat. Other than that, I'm all on board with it. <laughs> uh, it's also really interesting, before we leave the idea of like blessing and cursing and everything here, there was this statement that's made, uh, I think it's in, in verse, uh, yeah, 63 of chapter 28. Okay. And uh, here, I'll actually turn there instead of paraphrasing it. Uh, 2863. If you get there first, you can read it. 
And as the Lord took delight in doing you good and multiplying you, so the Lord will take delight in bringing ruin upon you and destroying you. That word delight threw me off. That delight caught me in. so off guard. That and you shall be plucked off the land you are entering to take yeah. possession of it. So, so it's like, I read it and I was like, I stopped and wrote a note when I was like, God takes delight in giving us good things. Like, right? I mean, that's like New right. Testament, like a father, a good father wants to give us good gifts. I was like, man, how cool is that? That God delights to give us good things. Like these blessings aren't necessarily because we deserve it and we earned it, but God like loves and it brings him pleasure and joy to make us happy. Like how cool is that? That God yes. is delighted like in his soul, like in his being to make us happy. Like we don't deserve that. That's super cool. That's right. And so I was just like really blown away by that. And then that same word, that God is satisfied in his soul, that he is delighted in himself. He is perfectly content within himself whenever he brings disaster on those who deserve it. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, because it's perfectly consistent with the mercy and grace of God to show goodness to people who don't really deserve it. Like right. that is, and that brings him delight to do that. But it also brings God delight to execute justice against those who yeah. do deserve it. Yeah, I think that's what, that's what I wrote down. Like, God delights in blessing, but also God delights in justice. Yeah. And, like, I think we, when we read, like, bring ruin upon you and just to destroy you, we assume somehow Israel's innocent. Right, exactly. Um, and that their sin isn't causing others to pain. But, like, yep. all sin, like, almost all these laws are, like, interpersonal. Oh, yeah. Theft, murder, rape. Right. Uh, a lack of generosity, a lack of like forgiving of debts, whatever it is. It's like justice actually brings about mercy for those who have been sinned against, mm -hmm. right? Yep. It's like God delights to bring blessing to the obedient. Yep. God delights to bring justice to those who are oppressed. Yep. And he also delights in bringing evil people to their ultimate deserved end. That's right. Yeah, I, God I is. Think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, God is bringing about healing for the earth for those who treat the earth badly. He's bringing about healing for people for people who treat people badly. But then ultimately, I think we need to hear again and again and again, whose law is it that that they're breaking? When you broke my law and my commands and my covenant, and we should hear what the psalmist reflected on when he said, "Against you and you alone have I sinned." That every sin, though it has horrible ramifications for the world around us and need yeah. those wrongs need to be made right Rest, restitution needs how to be much done more so does yes. it harm the god that made the laws that's right who instituted the laws who yep. created you to obey the laws yes yep you've sinned against him and that's why his justice brings himself delight mm -hmm. and that and like that's just like god's goodness is 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 like true even no matter like what he does, because everything he does is good. Like yeah. whenever he curses, it's good. Whenever he gives blessing, it's good. And we need, I think the Bible reframes our categories for goodness to, to be much larger and all encompassing and based in the character of God than just whatever the circumstance is, you know, like, you know, like yeah. blessing is good. Cursing is bad. Not whenever yeah. God's doing it, yeah. it's always good. And it brings him delight. Yeah. Yeah. And think about I mean think like if we if we have that category of blessing is good, cursing is bad, we actually have no gospel. Yes. Cuz without God cursing Jesus for us, we could never be 
blessed when we don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. If we think blessings should come to good people and, and cursing is always bad, we have no gospel. Yeah. Because in the gospel, Jesus is cursed when he didn't deserve it, and we are blessed when we don't deserve it. Mm. Like We do not get to choose the new tree of life in Jesus on the mountain of blessing if there is no delight in doing good and no delight in bringing cursing. Right. And isn't it amazing that that also this 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 little two-part sentence also gives us a way to see the whole gospel as a delight to God that he was delighted to bless us through his death and he was delighted to bear our curse for us like that God delighted to be cursed and to curse himself mm-hmm. for us yeah. so that he could be delighted to extend us blessing and grace. Like it turns the whole thing into yeah. a delight to the Lord, like for the joy set before him, he went to the cross. The writer of Hebrews says it's like Jesus, God wrote that line yeah. knowing that ultimately he would be delighting in his own cursing yeah, so that he could delight in blessing everybody who places their trust in his son. Okay, so there is another part of the curse that God talks about here that doesn't really have a um, blessing corollary. Well, I guess it kind of does. The, the blessing land. corollary right. is you'll get to stay in the land. Yeah. You can stay in the land. And then the the corollary and the curse is you'll be exiled from the land. I'll kick you out. You'll go be ruled by nations you have not known who worship gods that aren't real gods, and you'll yep. be stuck there. And and that's where you'll go. And like we see this play out in 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 the Old Testament story. Like the and the way it's written, like the it, way it, it stops using conditional oh. language. The, like this, like twenty nine and thirty, it stops using conditional language or twenty eight and twenty nine. I should say it's not like you may and if and blah. it starts being it, you shall and you will and like it starts becoming way more definitive. That like. Exile is yeah. going to happen. And I love how critical scholars who don't believe in the sovereignty of God have to then say that there was this later editor to the book of Deuteronomy who came and put this stuff in after the okay. exile yeah. had happened because they were like, how would he, like how would Moses know? It can't be Moses writing this because how would he know that they would go into exile? And it's like, because yeah. it's written by God. <laughs> or <laughs> even just that. more simply, Moses lived with these people for 40 years. And he saw how <laughs> yeah. prone they were to not listen. It's like a pretty well-educated yeah. guess that these people it's are a not going to make guess. it. Yeah. Right. And so they're going to be in exile, but then we get this promise that while they're in exile, God is going to do something new. And, um, and, and the, oh, actually, I should say this. Before, the reason they go to exile and the reason they will in, inevitably go to exile is because of something very important that is said. It's because God has not yet given them circumcised hearts. He's not given them hearts to obey, and he's not yet given yeah, them so ears to hear. so if you're reading this, you're going to get to the end of the cursing section in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and you're going to, hit, and you're going to hear about the exile, you're going to hear about all these things. And in chapter 29... You're going to start here. There's like a switch that's kind of imperceptible to me as I read it, and even as David said as he read it. But Moses stops talking yep. about the covenant that just ended. He's not no longer talking yep. about the covenant that God made with him on Mount Sinai and at the foot of the Jordan River. He's talking about a covenant, a partnership, a, a deal he's making with his people in the future, like a new thing mm-hmm. that he's going to do. And 
he's going to call like what's been foreshadowed so far is that they're not going to obey. And what he says in yep. chapter 29, verse four, he says, but to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. That should sound familiar because Jesus says those same words. But mm-hmm. the point he's making is the reason I'm foreshadowing disobedience for you. The reason I'm predicting disobedience for you is because you don't have a heart to obey this command. Right. You don't intuit these things. You all right, and and he, he and he even proves it to them. He's like, if you don't believe me, think about this. You've walked around the the wilderness for forty years, and did you notice that your sandals didn't wear out? Yep. Like that shouldn't have happened. Um, how did you eat the whole time? Miraculous food from heaven. Like, do you remember that? How how did you even get to the wilderness in the first place? I freed you from Egypt with an outstretched arm and mighty and mighty axe. What about that time when you went against that king that should have killed you and you won a way underhanded battle? Like, how did that happen? And yet you still doubt, you still sin, you still disobey. He's like, why do you think that keeps happening? It's because you right. don't have a heart that can believe. You don't have ears that can hear. You don't have eyes that can see. And so when we read these old stories, like, how did Israel keep doing this? Like, are they stupid? It's like, no, they were spiritually yeah. enabled. Like they could yeah. not believe. They could not see what God was doing. They could not hear his and words. So what and Moses is them. picking up on is something that is hidden throughout the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers like stories, is that the law mm-hmm. on its own cannot bring new hearts to love God to love God and his ways. There's actually this really That's fascinating right. thing. Yep. After talking about exile for a, a while in 2924. He talks about, or 23, he starts talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he, and what's right. fascinating is how that story is reversed. So in the Old Testament, mm. you can kind of get the idea that, well, God was saving his people and he was destroying mm-hmm. the wicked nations. But what he does here right. is he said, what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah will happen to you too. So all of a sudden... Uh-huh. If you're listen, reading carefully, you say, okay, so it's not just being a part of God's like ethnic geopolitical nation that makes me safe. It's by having a new heart that makes me safe. It says, the people will say it's because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord. Like That's actually mm-hmm. what brings justice or brings you blessing, is not being merely a part of the nation of Israel, but having a heart that loves God's commands and does them intuitively, not with the addition of more and more and more laws. Right. And this is something that God says he's going to have to come and bring you, and he'll come and do this for you while you're in exile. He'll come and give you this new heart that will cause you to follow his law. And you'll come back into the land, and you'll be obeying God. You'll be intuiting it from your heart because you love him, and you have affections toward him because he gave you those abilities. And as you do that, Yep. The blessings will come back, and everything will be new, and the new Eden will come, and everything we've been hoping for will happen, but not because you did something to earn it or bring it about, but because God earned it for you and yes. brought it about within you, from the inside exactly out, not right. from the outside yeah. in, right? Yeah. I was thinking it's really interesting, you kind of touched on it barely, was uh, is this idea about like when Israel is cursed, the nations will come, and they'll say like, why did this happen? Why <laughs> yeah. did Why did the God of Israel abandon her in such a way? You know, and uh, and like it ends up being a testimony to the power of God, the trueness of the word, like yeah. the the uh, reliability of the covenant. It ends up like I just it was an yeah. interesting paradigm for me that God's punishment 
is actually a positive witness to those right. who, who the, see it. The nations of the world should and, look at Israel's disobedience and say, oh, God doesn't have just one people, any who mm-hmm. trust in the covenant, any who trust in God, who love him and obey his commands, can be part of God's people and will be saved from his justice. Right, which something I can't, oh man, I can't remember where it is. Maybe you you do, but I, we, we read it. It's in this passage. And he says like, uh, this is the covenant I speak to you, but not just those present, uh, but yeah. all people. I don't remember where that is. Like, and it's like, but you remember reading that today. Anyway, it's just like, it, I think they're in, even in the text here, we get yeah. that, um, we get that yeah. said pretty explicitly that the covenant acted out in Israel is supposed to be a, um, an illustration, a living picture of our need yes. for God and our inability to be and right our, with him on our, our own. Our need for you a know? new way for God to relate to his people. Like God cannot yeah. simply relate to his people through laws. Like it will not work. It's right. foreshadowed that it won't work. It's being prophesied by Moses that it won't work. And now in chapter 29, right. he begins prophesying what will work, a new covenant. So yes. A new, a covenant new covenant where new hearts are given, or he and he even says like um, circumcised hearts, and the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts yeah. and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with mm-hmm. all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. Yeah, and so like uh, so the people, I mean, this bears out. It's played out. The people go to exile. They disobey. They're kicked out of the land. There's the uh, there's the Assyrian captivity. There's the Babylonian captivity. The temple is destroyed and profaned, and then the uh, people are in exile, waiting for God. And the prophets are speaking to them. You hear Jeremiah's words, you know, speaking over them. You hear Ezekiel's words speaking over them in the exile, and both of them tap into this section of Deuteronomy. And what do they say? They say God is going to come again. He's going to bring you back into the land. He's going to give you a new covenant. Right, he's gonna in in that covenant, he's gonna give you a new heart, and you're gonna he's gonna cause you to obey his commands. Yeah. Like they're saying, like God is going to do this thing, and he, and, um, yeah. and then no, no, when, I was just gonna say, yeah, go and ahead. it's gonna it's gonna work, and it's gonna work. It's gonna work. Yeah, it's not gonna be Here's like the old was, one. That so didn't verse work. eleven of chapter thirty. For this commandment that I command you today is not too far for you or too hard for you. Neither hard is it for far you. Off. Yep. Now, when I read that, I was like, wait, wait, wait. The whole book of Deuteronomy has been queuing me up to believe that all these commands are too hard for Israel. But that's not the command <laughs> right. he's talking about. He's not talking about the commands of the law. Right. He's talking about the command of God to make us, give us new hearts. The new, right, the covenant. new covenant. And he says, it's not in heaven yep. that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may go in here and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it but the word is very near you. It is in, and he's using present tense, but he's meaning future tense. Mm -hmm. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. What he's saying is, in the old covenant, Moses had to go up into the heavens on Mount Sinai to hear the law of the Lord. Yep. Go up. Yeah. The people said to him, "Go up and you talk to God yep. and tell us what He will say, and, and whatever He, he says, we'll heavens. do." Like Moses, like it's a, the yep. old covenant. You had to go up in the mountain, and the old covenant you had to cross the sea. You had to cross the sea right. in order to get the commands. Yep. But the new covenant, yep. neither of those things will happen. Actually, God will descend off of the holy place. He will walk across the waters of the Sea of Galilee, and He will mm-hmm. make new hearts in you. He will do what the old covenant, yeah. the old law, never could. 
He will make the law easy for you to obey and bring you the blessing mm-hmm. that you've been unable to achieve consistently so far in your history. That's right. And that's because Jesus comes along and disarms the curses of the law by bearing them in his own body and gives us the blessing that it ultimately promised. And I'm not talking about now the the spiritual or physical blessings of prosperity. I'm talking about the ultimate end of the law. The purpose of the covenant was to dwell with God. And what Jesus earns for us on the cross is the ultimate indwelling of God. Like the God that was in the land and in the tabernacle that people were supposed to try to keep themselves pure so they could stay with and near, that God comes inside of us. And the new covenant comes with his Holy Spirit indwelling us as the new tabernacle. And so it's God working within us that causes us to do these things and makes it, quote unquote, easy for us to do, right? Let's let's move here to Romans 10. So Paul... Yeah, yeah. Literally quotes this passage of Deuteronomy to explain why yep. Jesus is better than the law. And he said he talks Moses mm-hmm. writes about a righteousness that is based on the law. So let's just pause right there. What is a righteousness based on the mm-hmm. law? What he I think what he means is like how do you get communion with God? How do you be at one with yeah. the Lord? How do you by, by obeying the law? law? Do the commandments right. and you will be with God. But the righteousness based yep. on faith that's what he talks about. Is, that's so what he that says. We're yep. one with God, not by doing works of the law, not by doing the right thing, but by faith does not say who will send into heaven. It does not say who will mm-hmm. cross the sea. The word is near yep. you and in your mouth and in your heart. And he says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He uses the words of yeah. Deuteronomy 30 to tell us how we are saved right now. We're not saved. We're not, we don't become one with God. We don't get eternal life or the blessed life by doing the works of the law, but by trusting and right. believing that Jesus rose from the dead. That's right. Yeah. And it just says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord yeah. will be saved. Yes. That's the condition. Is like you look to the Mount of Cursing and you see Jesus dying for your sins on it. And you call on him. You say, like, that is my yes. curse. And what did is you just say Jesus. about how the nations of the world are supposed to look to Israel and see the way that they can be mm-hmm. saved? The very next verse in Romans 10 says, And there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same right. Lord is Lord of all, bestowing the riches on all who call on him. The riches of the mountain yeah. of blessing are available to every nation and every people because Jesus goes onto the mountain of cursing for us. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, I would say as we close, like I even thought this as I was reading today, I was like, man, I know that probably 100% of our listeners are pretty deep probably. Christians. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're going to listen to, uh, you know, an hour long podcast on, on three chapters in Deuteronomy. But I would say that either if this is for you or just you need the urgency to share the gospel with someone else, like this should cause urgency in you that the curses are real. Like and and Jesus ratchets ratchets that up and says hell is real and he will judge and it will delight him to judge and it will be good to judge, and, and yet there is this easy solution. There is good news, and it's look to the mount of cursing and see Jesus yeah. dying for your sins. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord yeah. will be saved. Like trust in Him, yeah. love Him. He wants your heart. He wants to give you a Most new heart. Non-believers like, don't think about oh. the fact that they need a righteousness based on the law but they functionally believe it. Mm. 
like righteousness. Oh, if definitely. We substitute righteousness for like communion with God, communion with the divine, or just a sense of wholeness. Like, so like call whatever you want that mm-hmm. sense of wholeness, sense of satisfaction, yep. union with the divine, whatever like self actualization. Self actualization. Like, that is fulfillment, a form of contentment. And it is always based on some sort of law. Follow the four noble yep. truths. Follow the, like, mm-hmm. uphold the five pillars of Islam. Be true to yourself yep. often enough and loudly enough, and you will feel yep. whole. But what the book of Deuteronomy should prove to every non believer is that all those laws you make for yourself to feel okay, to feel as if you're self actualized or one with the divine or whole, have probably consistently fallen short for you. You felt the fact that mm-hmm. they always fail, and your life seems to be more like curses than it seems to be like blessing. Scripture yeah. comes to you and says, That's so good. Don't say to yourself, What guru has ascended the mountain to tell me like what I need <laughs> right. to do? Yep. Or, or how, how can I do can it myself? I ascend the mountain to find one of the hundred paths up the mountain yep. to do it myself. God <laughs> has come right. down in Jesus. Yeah. Like he has crossed mm-hmm. the waters. And he yep. is it's so good. make you new. I love it. Oh man. Well, it's crazy. Only one more episode in Deuteronomy feels after this. Relieving, but also kind of sad. It, yeah. <laughs> it's also like a really cool ending to a long journey we've been on through the Torah together, um, which is fun. So um yeah, well guys, next week we'll wrap up Deuteronomy with chapters thirty one to thirty four. Um thank you so yeah. much for listening. Please and, like uh, us on yeah. um iTunes and rate us or rate us rate us, rate on, us iTunes on iTunes and leave us a comment. I, I think yeah, you can like what anything. Is, what is liking? Subscribing. subscribing. It's, yeah, how you, subscribing. it's how other people hear about Jesus and all of Scripture. Find out. It's how mm-hmm. like uh, yeah, we would love that. Yeah, and yeah, leave us comments. We read every comment. We love them. They they make our day. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. We will see you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.